As I was looking at the reality that Jesus is our deliverer, Jesus is our healer, and kind of looking at the content I, uh, and, and the content of Jaden's talk last week, I just, I began to be humbled, kind of. I began to be blessed that we get to walk in the footsteps of Jesus and loving those who maybe are just unloved by people. And, uh, and so I just, I, I want an opportunity to, to, uh, to really just be faithful to Jesus' model and, and go after those who have need. And oftentimes that's reaching out to the farthest people or reaching out to those who nobody else is, is impacting, and, and what an honor to do that. I was humbled this last week to have been able to go to San Diego and, and uh, see some churches that are multiplying and their communities around them and the ways that they're doing it and dialogue with some incredible pastors and learn from them and ask crazy questions about our future and, and be able to see, like, God has put us in a place to encourage hundreds of other churches in our state and region to multiply and to be givers of the mission of Jesus. And uh, I, when I was in San Diego, I was actually having a really, I, I attended an amazing amount of churches and, like, met with pastors and stuff, but there was a moment when I was by the pool getting fried and uh, at this hotel we were at, and I got a text from Brent Osborne. And, uh, you know, he apprenticed with us for a year and started his church in Sumner at the middle school, Living Hope, on uh, Christmas Eve, and then started meeting weekly at uh, Sumner Middle School in January. And last Sunday, he had nine people make a decision to follow Jesus. Isn't that incredible? You have fruit in that. I mean, because we were able to, it's like you walk into his church, it's like you're at open life. And we get to, to reproduce and multiply, and that is pretty much incredible. This week I was standing here on Thursday with all of the community leaders, mayors, politicians, and student leaders from around the Sumner School District at the Community for Family Coalition Summit and uh, an opportunity, if done uh, well and just it captured and having encouraged everybody with the vision and honoring unsung heroes, I was the MC for the day, slash, like, technical solver of problems and stuff. It was kind of fun. And, uh, but what an honor to, to be able to invite everybody in this room. This room was full of people and introduce myself as as Thad, you know, the pastor of Open Life. We had a, a booth at kind of a school district event for Open Life with invites to Easter. And I was able to invite everybody in the room to Easter service. And that was crazy. And uh, be able to give out awards to community leaders and stuff. And, and just looking at that door of favor, that's humbling. That's Jesus opening doors for us. And being able to sow into the leaders' lives. I was just, you know, from the completion of that event, it could result in a, uh, a donation being made, a grant, that's the word my brain was trying to find, a grant being made to the Sumner School District for $600,000. In open life, we get to be a part of that. That's pretty crazy. Being able to just walk through open doors. One of the things that just blessed me this week, I'm in a celebration mode, so I just have to take some moments and share before I jump into the scripture today. Um, for three years in a row, uh, we've served, or this will be our fourth year, serving the Bonnie Lake City Egg Hunt. 
And if you've yet to sign up online, do it at the back table today or on the back of your connection card. There's a little box to check on the far right. But they, uh, uh, this egg hunt, it's simple. It's three hours of your life on Saturday, but there's thousands of people who show up and hundreds of kids that are just like rabid egg collecting machines. And uh, it takes a couple hours to set up and, and then it takes like two minutes to collect all the eggs and the candy. But sometimes the candy is awful inside the eggs. Honestly, it is. And uh, next, next Sunday, our candy and egg hunt is going to be a lot better here than it is there as far as the contents and prizes. But so Open Life, we just made a deal of it. Last year, we, uh, or, or the first year, we just try to have the biggest piece of candy they're going to get all day. And we hand it to them on their way in with an invite to the service, Easter service next Sunday. And so uh, usually... I would be out putting up the egg hunt signs in the community to help the city market that event. Just serving the city, right? That's one of the things we do. We're present with our community, shoulder to shoulder in the needs and the, and the opportunities we have. But this year, I was busy, wasn't able to do it, right? So I, I was able to ask Lori to do it. And she's like, right, she's hanging her head. She's like, don't mention my name. But anyway, I was driving around and noticed all the signs up and Lori went out and she put these signs up, and Lori didn't even come to church yet one year ago. She's like a demonstration of the grace of God. And a year later, here she is serving the city and serving the mission of the church. And uh, I loved, uh, she even is missional in it. She sent me a note, an email, saying that she put the signs up in strategic places along the bus routes because she knew that most of the bus drivers are moms, they have kids, and she thinks it'd be really cool if they were reached and able to come to church next week. I'm like, you know what? Less than a year later, almost exactly a year later, that's, that's huge. That's the mission in action, and I am crazy blessed by that. We have some amazing servants and some amazing people that, that give and give and give, and it's an honor to be a part of what's happening here. And speaking of amazing leaders, I want to introduce a couple to you. Bruce and Christy, if you could come up, that'd be awesome. Uh, either side, watch the cables, you may trip. So, uh, the, so in October, we went on a staff advance, and we began to pray. We said, you know, the greatest opportunity in our community right now here in this city is... Uh, uh, that's untapped is student ministry, reaching the youth of our region. And uh, so we began to pray for some specific qualities that we saw as making a great student ministry pastor that wasn't necessarily like leading a service every week and being a superstar hero, like the youngest l looking people in the world that are going to be up there and be the best friend of all the kids, but more an empowerer who is going to raise up students to reach their campuses. Uh, we represent here pretty solidly uh, four different high schools. Uh, it would be Sumner High School, Bonnie Lake High School, White River High School, and Riverside, right? Yeah. And, uh, and so uh, it's pretty uh, amazing. We began to pray in October and, and just really 
about the qualities, developed a job description, all these different things, you know, volunteer. But anyway, so they, uh, but we did develop the job description and we began to just put a feeler out there. I actually tweeted a bunch of names which made a bunch of people nervous that are my friends thinking I was gonna steal their youth pastors. I would have if they would have said yes. But anyway, you know, so we were praying and little did we know at the same time was stirring in, in Bruce and Christie's heart this call to get back into student ministry. And their neighbors were being missional, having a dialogue about life and church. And uh, all of a sudden, they have the capacity to walk through our doors, start attending, and this gift in them surfaces. And we went through actually a pretty rigorously long uh, due process, didn't we, a little bit? And uh, uh, we, we said this week, we said, hey, would you, would you be our, our student life pastor? And uh, they said yes. So isn't that kind of cool? that we now have a youth pastor, or whatever you want to call. Do you want to say anything? Just say hi or something? I do have a sermon ready. Okay, good. Is that all right? Okay. Hi. I love it. Hello. She loves the microphone, too. So um, I, I just want to take a moment to pray for them because this is the beginning stage. I didn't say, hey, you need to do this, this, and this. We're just going to create and find out what is going to be best at reaching the students in our community and by fall have fully functioning uh, youth ministry at Open Life, and I think that's incredible. So uh, can you just pray with me? Yeah. I would talk, but I'm just too emotional, so I, I might just start crying. But I'm really excited to be a part of this, so, you know, thank you. <laughs> I love it. We're a cry factory here, so just that's okay. I think, I think, I think. It's, it's really ridiculous if you dig down, have coffee, uh, get to know Bruce and Christy because the story of how God has brought us together is creepy, almost. It's like we really are thinking the same things. So uh, why don't you pray with me? If you feel comfortable, you can like extend your hand as a representation of you're actually laying your hands on them to pray as well. So God, we thank you for Bruce and, and for Christy. And we just pray right now for the youth of our region. I talk to so many parents that just need uh, help, and they just want somebody to walk alongside with them to help uh, raise their children in a way that uh, could have Jesus involved and could, Jesus could be a part of the conversation. And I pray that you would empower Bruce and Christy to raise up uh, leaders and that people would surround the vision we have of, of really partnering with these different campuses that are represented in our city and being a part of the lives of students, and that students themselves would step up as leaders and begin to serve each other. And as I stood here Thursday with a bunch of the student leaders from this school district of Sumner, there's a lot of leaders there to be empowered to reach their peers. And I just pray that you would uh, give them the anointing to do that, that they would see the most fruitful season of their lives here, and that uh, uh, as they begin to catch the fullness of of everything we do, which is actually pretty simple here at Open Life. I pray that uh, they would just love life and doing, doing this journey with us and leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus in this city. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, guys. It's okay to cry. Just to let you know. I'll probably do it later and now. Who knows? Uh, it's kind of the way we roll. Wow, being deeply moved by God's answer to our prayers. Honestly, that was like a, a, a prayer we thought would happen in the fall of 2013, and God brings it right here at the beginning of the year. That's, 
miraculous. And uh, uh, we give him thanks. We said we wanted a global mission strategy, a youth pastor, electronic kids check-in. There was a lot of different things that we, we put on a wish list that have already, like, fallen into place in 2013. So we got to dream a little bigger, I think. So this is kind of fun. Um, looking at a passage and really challenged by the backstory of a passage, I, I want you to, to look with me. It's on your handout or on the screen, John 11, 38 through 44. And it's a story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. So we'll read kind of the culmination of the story, and then we'll look at the backstory a bit. It says in verse 38, once more deeply moved, or it says Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Most of you have heard the King James, if you've ever like heard this story, maybe in a kid's book. Come forth, you know, and you got to have like this deep voice thing that I don't really carry in my vocals. Uh, verse 44 says, the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to him, take off the grave clothes and let him go. While this story is an amazing revelation of the healing power of Jesus and the delivering power of, of Jesus over a dead man from death to life is a pretty incredible story, I think we often catch the awe of the reality that Jesus just brought this man to life, and we miss the importance of the process that exists here for us to catch and understand how we fit in this story. I want to give you the backstory to help you with it, and I want you to see the backstory through the lens of really the foundational verse for open life, which is 1 Thessalonians 2.8. It says, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. And you, you hear this heart right at the beginning in John 11.38, because it says, Jesus, once more deeply moved. I mean, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you the gospel of God. Like it's not work to show up and, and put out Easter eggs or drive a trailer or set up partitions or lights or whatever. It's, it's like this city is so dear to us. That's it's a reward. It's awesome. It's, it's an honor to be a part of this, right? So Jesus is coming on to this story. It, it, he had spent time with Martha and Mary, the sisters of Lazarus. He had done ministry in their home, and there's instances you can look up in Scripture. I won't read them all for the sake of time, but where 
you know, uh, Martha's just a workaholic, and Mary just wanted to learn and sit at Jesus' feet, and, and it's, it's Martha's complaining that Mary's not doing the work, and yet Jesus is saying, Martha, Martha, you worry about a lot of things, but man, get to know me, you know, and there's this great story about that in Scripture, and, and just the reality, he had done a lot of ministry in this city, which is Bethany, which is really close to Jerusalem, but here's the problem. Jesus was chased out of Jerusalem because they tried to stone him to death because they realized he's claiming he was the Son of God. So he escapes and gets word at the beginning of John 11, he gets word that his friend Lazarus, Martha and Mary's brother, was dead. They used the term asleep, and Jesus told his disciples, man, he's asleep. And they're like, but you can't go back there. They'll kill you. And he's like, well, okay, he's not asleep. He's dead. And they're like, well, why would you go back there if he's dead? You know, so they're all confused. And he's like, no, uh, uh, just, just come with me. You know, let's, we're going to raise him to life. And everybody's going, like, seriously, dude? You know? And so it's a really intriguing story. Here's what's interesting. At the beginning of John 11, it indicates Jesus knew he had been dead for four days. And I know this is going to be a little gruesome, but I did some research on this whole deal about, like, being dead for four days and the, the condition of their tombs and what they were using to, to, to put Lazarus in and the condition of his, his body. I think we need to comprehend why Martha, the detail-oriented person, said to Jesus, by this time, this is going to be a little gnarly smelling when you walk in here. I don't know if any of you have walked uh, up to a carcass that had been outside uh, and dead for about four days, but uh, just we're going to draw a little bit of a visual so we can understand the risk that was at hand here. Um, the body cells and, and, and tissue, when they don't receive oxygen, when we die, um, the brain cells are the first things to die about three to seven minutes after death. And the bone and skin cells can, can survive for several days, but everything starts to kind of break down. Blood begins to drain from the capillaries, pooling in the lowest lying portion of the body. So if you're on your back, like the lower part of you turns this really dark purple and everything else is pale, pale white. Um, that's why it's really gruesome to come upon a, a dead body because of the appearance. Three hours after death, rigor mortis sets in, stiffening of the muscles. And around 12 hours after death, the body will feel cool. 24 hours, it's room temperature. Um, after, after this, uh, alger mortis, I'd never heard of this, but because uh, I didn't go to medical school, the muscle tissue begins to like actually loosen its stiffness and the body starts to decompose, basically, about uh, 36 hours to 72 hours into death. As the cells die, bacteria within the body begin breaking them down. Enzymes in the pancreas cause the organs to digest themselves, and the body soon takes on a gruesome appearance and smell because decomposing tissue emits a substance, uh, a green substance, as well as gases like methane and, and hydrogen sulfide. The lungs expel fluid through the mouth and nose. So it's not. This is the risk. 
of what's inside this tomb. It's at this point that insects like are drawn because of the, the smell and stuff. And one fly, this is sick, one fly lays 300 eggs. That's like wrong. And those become maggots. And if you've walked upon a dead carcass in the woods, you know this. Uh, it only takes those maggots seven days to consume 60% of a body. So the grave was not insect-proof. When they rolled a stone in front of the grave for Lazarus's tomb, and they had wrapped him in what would be like handkerchief material in that day, his body, um, it, the, the purpose of the stone was to keep large animals out, not insects. So by opening that, there was a potentially horrific image on the inside of the tomb. That's the scene. With this information, you need to allow your imagination, <laughs> if you dare, to view the potential scene that Jesus has entered into when he shows up. We know the end of the story, but the people did not know the end of the story. And with this, Jesus asks the first question that there's a little blank for you to fill in on your handout if you want. Um, take away the stone. He says to them, take away the stone. The first of three asks Jesus makes people who were present. Consider the symbolism here for a moment. The stone was keeping, like, beasts out, but it was also keeping Lazarus in, right? And uh, uh, oftentimes we need to consider, like, I think sometimes we put stones in between us and what we view sinners, uh, judging them, if you would, that they're too filthy and stinky and messy to be involved with our lives. So let's put a stone in between us and them. Let's be safe. Let's be pure and not... I mean, we placed the stone. Lazarus could not place his own stone there, right? We just cast some people off as potentially spiritually dead, and we roll a stone in between us and them. The dead do not roll their own stones. We're the ones who choose. They are no longer worthy of hope. And we do it not necessarily knowing what we're doing, but we do it. So it's fitting in John's writing, John lacks detail in, in his record in the gospel. You know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the gospels. John isn't the most detail-oriented. He's pretty focused on Jesus just being full of love. And uh, he doesn't say who exactly is asked to roll the stone away. He just says, roll the stone away. Anybody there? The people. It was their job to roll the stone away. Life can once again be called uh, into correlation with this scenario because sometimes we don't know who here is the one that's going to roll the stone away from someone in your life. Who's going to have the honor of being asked by Jesus, roll the stone away so that person can once again receive life? Jesus is just looking for some people who will help roll stones away. So what stones have you rolled between the living and the lost? 
Just let that sink in. How about this question? What is blocking those who need life from the creator of life in your circle of influence? Jesus is saying, take the stone away. When open life began, it wasn't that we said, oh, man, Bonnie Lake needs one more church. You know, we felt a distinct call and challenge in our spirit that we uh, needed to be a people that would be willing to involve ourselves in a potentially stinking life and the mess. And we would be stone rollers, if you would. It took about 11 people to roll a stone away on these because they would have these, like, inclines to where the stone came. So, like, we needed to unite our efforts and be the people that would roll stones away so that we can lead others into a growing relationship with Jesus. And our religious history, and we love what churches have done, and, and, and our, we love partnering with other churches in the community to, to share Jesus and make Jesus known. But the reality is uh, we've only reached 12% of this community with the gospel. 88% of people, for some reason or another, see this stone in their way of getting to Jesus. So what if open life would start and become a new culture that wouldn't be afraid of being messy or stinky, but could extend the full reach of Jesus' grace? We made a conscious decision to abandon the mindset, the traditional mindset of being set apart and pure uh, from the world and decided to go into the world and roll the stone away. Herein lies a revelation as I began to study this passage um, that I wanted to share today, like my, my, my whole reason really for this talk. Um, you hear us say it all the time. I've said it multiple times today. Our mission, Open Life, exists to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. That's, it's simple. It's uncomplicated. And this is what has to, it's been our mission from day one. But this story of Lazarus kind of really got my mind awakened to something. As I looked at this guy come out with his hands and his feet still bound and the, the linens around his eyes, and he was basically blind and powerless. And it would take the lead of others to assist him to truly experience life again. On his own, he could not. He was still, as it was called in that text, the dead man, though he was walking in some way, shape, or form out, you know, which says nobody went in to find out because they're like, that would have stunk. But eventually this like mummified thing makes their way towards him. And, and I look at the, that part of this story and I look at the reality that when we say at Open Life, we lead people or leading people into a growing relationship, we might be missing some of the intent that Jesus is making very obvious in this text. It could easily be misinterpreted that open life, the church, the organization, is the one doing the leading. But just as Jesus shows us here in this text, we don't need organized religion. We need organized people. Organizations can't lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. People lead people. People had to put their hands on that stone and roll it away and risk the stench and the gruesomeness on the other side. People had to unwrap 
the grave clothes. It took people. And, and I began to just look again at Ephesians 4.11. It says, it, it says, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists and pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for work of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be like infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there uh, by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Verse 15 says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. If people will connect and serve and share within their circle of influence, the body will build itself up. Jesus didn't intend for the church to build the body up. He intended for the church to equip people to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus so that the body could be built up. So I came back to our team after studying this a little bit, and I was like, oh, man, we got to return to our mission. I think we're missing a very important word because we don't want misinterpretation to exist at the core level of our mission. We don't want people to think, well, it's open life's job to lead people into a growing relationship. It's our job as people in life, in the world we live in, to lead people into a growing relationship. Very different. And it's just one word. It's a word difference. Instead of we, it's people. All of us. So who are your Lazaruses? Who are the people Jesus is calling you to help approach Jesus? You're the people who will roll the stone away. Jesus said to him, did I not tell you, the people, that if you believed, you will see the glory of God? So, I love that phrase. Just, I highlighted it in my Bible. I was like, so... They took the stone away. <laughs> you know, the people did. They're like, yeah, I guess he did tell us that. Let's risk this. And they rolled the stone away. Now, before we transition to our next point, and uh, I want you to catch a quick parallel here. This is, this is rich. Ezekiel 37, 1 through 10. Listen to this vision God gives the prophet. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, set me in the middle of a valley, it was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of this valley, bones that were very dry. He said to me, Son of man, symbolism of Jesus, right? Can these bones live? I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know 
that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into this, these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied, and as I commanded, as he commanded me, and breath entered them, and they came to life and stood up on their feet a vast army. Could it be that outside these doors today, there's a vast army awaiting those who would walk out with the belief that God can bring those back to life that are far from him? Could it be that we could go away as stone rollers and next week this, this beautiful moment of Easter that people just seem to open their mind a little more to Jesus? Could it be that we could see a great number of people that would choose to know him and would begin their journey of faith wherever that leads them? Man, I just can't help but think Jesus remembered this story and remembered this moment, and he's going, I, you know, what happened on the inside of that tomb? Were the bones rattling? Was the, were, was the process reversing inside there so that Lazarus could come to life? In this instance of Lazarus, Jesus is walking out the lessons learned through this moment recorded in the history of Scripture. These dry bones can live. The 88% of people that are not in church today in our city can live. Fresh life can be breathed into them, but somebody needs to call it into being. Somebody needs to be praying that over our city. And we're praying that. God, let us do this. Okay, the next thing he says, he says, take the grave, or he says, move the stone. Then he says, take the grave clothes off, right? That's the command Jesus gives. Take off the grave clothes. This may be the biggest challenge, especially for those who have religious history. Taking off the grave clothes, Jesus is not just the one who heals and brings to life, but Jesus is the deliverer, right? And these grave clothes uh, represent everything from our past and our sin and the, the yuck and mess of our history, and, and we're bound in that often when Jesus calls us, right? We're blind to the things of righteousness and holiness and, and grace, and, and, and it's going to take the people to have the patience and the courage and the understanding and the, the, to take those grave clothes off for those who have come to life. We need each other. We cannot do this thing alone. God wants us involved in the process. He wants us to risk in, in taking off those grave clothes. What does the skin look like underneath? What is that person's? They didn't know. They're still like, uh, are there eyeballs? You know what I'm saying? Come on, if you were there, this could be creepy. Oh, wow, good, his eyes didn't fall out. You know what I'm saying? I'm just picturing this. Are there fingers? Are there feet? What's going to happen here? The miracle was still in process, but it involved the people. People leading people here. 
This is easier said than done to have them just step out and take off the grave clothes. This is not an easy, easy ask. But we got to call those to life around us and not make them keep their grave clothes on. We need to get involved in each other's lives so that we could just simply be a part of going, oh, let me get that for you. There, now you can see better. Oh, the hands represent service, right? Those who would serve, the feet represent the same thing, being active in our faith. Let me undo those grave clothes so that you can be alive in this relationship that you have with Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We have the ministry of reconciliation. Like, it's our deal to be the grave clothes removers. That's our call. Final point. Even harder, final step. Let him go. Because until we're active in each other's lives, until we're encouraging one another, until we're rolling the stone away, until we're removing the grave clothes, that we can't let anybody be empowered fully in life. We need to just let him go. Let him live. There's fresh life here. Don't hold the stone in place. Don't keep the grave clothes on. Don't let his face be covered from seeing the vision and future God has for him. Let him go. Freedom. people leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. You know, Easter's awesome, and I love it when people come through the doors. As I answered the question to one person I invited this next Sunday, this week, I said, hey, um, I said, love to have you. I don't know if you go to church or not, or maybe you know someone that does, and that's why you don't, but open life's not that place. Come, we're uncomplicated. And he was like, so if I actually come to church on Easter, you're not going to just give me a bad time that it's the only day I go to church during the year, right? It's like, not at open life. Relax, take this thing at your own pace. I just want you to be there. And it was a cool conversation. So I don't know who comes to mind when you hear this story of Lazarus or what comes to mind, what are the stones that you've rolled in place in between you and those who need Jesus? But we need to do some stone rolling this week, and we need to do some grave clothes removal. But at Easter, it's just the start. That's when Lazarus, like, pops up. There's a lot of work to be done after Easter. There's a lot of relationships to start. There's a lot of people to have coffee with and, and to begin on this journey of faith. And, and it'll be a long road, but it'll be amazing. And so I don't know the next step for you today, but on the back of your connection card, Maybe you're simply today saying, man, my next step today is to become people who lead people. I need to own this. Maybe you're going to let whoever's name you need to put into that blank free from their past. Or I need to invite whoever that is next Sunday so that they can hear the clear and pure message of what Jesus came to do for them. I want you to think about your next step and just ask the Lord to speak to you clearly as we sing a song of worship here today. Maybe you want to do that sitting or standing. It's totally up to you, but the worship band's going to play a song, and then I'll close us out here in a second.